Well, good morning, church. Remember, that's who you are. It's more than a building. Remember, that's who you are. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to get going well last week. I thought uh, I ate enough. I don't know. I, I did have to eat during the week, but I really enjoyed uh, uh, Last Sunday was great, and I would love to do that again, um, as long as it doesn't overload you, you know, and uh, if we do a soup and salad or something else, next time we'll cart some something along we can contribute to things. We were more recipients last week, so uh, thank you for your kindness in, in those ways. Um, last week we hit a, a lot on the topic of prayer, as uh, the kind of people you are. We talked about people of prayer and opportunity and partnership. That's just a review of the message. You'll have to, eventually we'll get those on, on the website and you can listen to them if you missed that. Um, <clears throat> we are, uh, I'm coming around again on that particular topic because um, I can't think of another topic that's more important for us to make sure we get right uh, in the process here in this transitional season than the, than the subject and matter and discipline of prayer. Uh, there is a book that I have uh, come across there several years ago now, uh, written by a fellow by the name of Dave Butts. And Dave is uh, the, was the head of Harvest Prayer Ministries. And uh, uh, this very simple little book is called Forgotten Power, A Simple Theology for a Praying Church. And unfortunately, in our day, uh, prayer has been somewhat marginalized in the ministry of the church. There are a lot of things that the church is doing, but praying may not be at the core of that. In the, uh, in the alliance, uh, we have a number of core values. And one of them is a statement regarding the matter of prayer. And it simply says this, prayer is the primary work of the people of God, the primary work of the people of God. You pull that verse, or pull that sentence apart, primary work, not secondary, primary work of the people of God. And so uh, if there are areas in your uh, prayer life that need to be bolstered a bit, um, I encourage you, I'll, I'll be glad to make this available, you, you get interested enough to talk to me, I'll make sure we get a copy of that in your hands. <clears throat> this morning, again, I want to come back to a story that has something to do with prayer, uh, but it also has to do with facing the challenges that we face, we have, things that we have to deal with. Now, for some of you, there may be greater challenges than others. There may be things that are maybe overwhelming you, depending on where you're at in this season of your life. Or this week, there could have been one of these weeks where <clears throat> you're thoroughly under the weather all week. Or you may be here with something going on in your, in your jaw that says, get me to the dentist. Or you may, it may be a variety of different things that can be going on in your own challenges that you face <clears throat> for a church. In this particular season, it can be a challenge itself. <clears throat> and so this morning, I want to come uh, today to an Old Testament story. Last week, we worked in 
a book of Colossians and a New Testament account. I'm going to come to an Old Testament story and uh, look at uh, a chapter in the life of a king who got it pretty right uh, in the process and see what his story tells us and what the uh, consequences of those actions were. I want to pause for prayer first. Uh, I appreciated so much the music. Uh, when we talk about Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Sometimes in our theology and in the, in the songs, it can get a little, little bit scary. For instance, just today, um, we sang that song, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place. And... Uh, you kind of think, well, yeah, let's metaphorically flood this place. I, you know, I, I get sensitive to that. When, when last week we sang, uh, come, some, some, come set your church on fire. And I get sensitive to that because when we were in New Cumberland, our church was destroyed by an arson fire. So every time I hear people talk about set the church on fire, I thought, oh, no, not again. You know, so so fire or flood or whatever it may be, we understand the imagery and it's powerful imagery. Uh, <clears throat> but our prayer is that the Lord will flood this place and fill the atmosphere. So let's pause for prayer. Will you join me? <clears throat> we consciously, purposely welcome you here to this portion of the service where we are encountering the living word of God. We do not want to treat it lightly. We want to give it all of the honor that is due to it as the revelation, the special revelation of God to us, to his people, to us today at City Light Church. You have a word to say. My prayer is that you will help us as we deal with the challenges that we are facing. We are grateful for the privilege of looking into that word and learning from it. So uh, may the entrance of your word bring light to us today and help us to move as well to the place of obedience to the truth of God's word today. Well, thank you for what you'll do. We'll give you all praise and glory. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> okay, so we're going to the Old Testament. That's the, that's the half of the Bible that sometimes you get into. 39 books. One of which we're coming to today is Second Chronicles. So if you can find, a, a, if you have a Bible with you, that's great. If you need to do it technologically, that's Super 2, two Chronicles chapter 20. I'm going to read down through the first 18 verses. We'll have that projected for us. Again, this is from NIV, very similar to the ESV in this portion of scripture as well. So just uh, listen or follow along as it's projected or listen as I read or read along in your Bible. <clears throat> chapter 20, Second Chronicles after this, the Moabites and the Ammonites with some of the Meonites came to make war on Jehoshaphat. Let me pause right there. There's nothing fancy about Moabites or Ammonites or Meonites, but there will always be some kind of ite that's ready to make war on you, and that's why we need to be able to face the challenges that God has for us. 
it can show up in a variety of different ways. But there's always something that comes against us. Some of the men, or some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the sea. It is already in Hazazon Tamar, that is, in Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in the front of the new courtyard and said, It's a prayer. O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. O our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. But now, <clears throat> here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance? O oh, our God, we will, not, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. All the men of Judah with their wives and children and the little ones stood there before the Lord. <clears throat> then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jeel, the son of just a whole bunch of sons here. Okay, a Levite and descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly, he said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in the land, <clears throat> who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid of this vast army, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow march down against them, and they will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. One more verse. Jehoshaphat bowed with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. <clears throat> now that's a powerful word of Scripture. That's a powerful story. And... Uh, the story in itself is, is simply quite amazing. So I want to talk to you this morning about the resources that God gives to us in order to face the challenges that we face. Now, you'll have to contextualize this for your own journey. I don't know what the things are that you're facing. 
a variety of folks here with different needs, no doubt. Corporately, there are certainly challenges the congregation or the church is facing. But you're going to have to kind of find this place of application and personalization of the Word of God. <clears throat> I don't know if you're a history person. Uh, some of you are, uh, just in conversation with you. Some people uh, have things that they enjoy uh, digging into. Uh, maybe you studied that when you were in college. Um, maybe you enjoyed history. For some people, history gets a little bit dusty and old and kind of somewhat irrelevant. I find it fascinating. The other day, it was funny, I was <clears throat> I, I was actually looking on stuff. I, I enjoyed n nosing around on the net on the things in Wilkes-Barre. And I was, I was uh, looking through some pictures that I thought uh, maybe I could find some pictures of flooding of Hurricane Agnes in 72. So I'm, I'm nosing around, and I looked, and there were some pictures that were hooked onto Darla Carey. That I don't know if you know it or not, but you have some pictures on. And I thought, well, isn't this a small world after all in terms of the history of things? I know that person. I just met her last week. You know, and you just kind of start nosing around and some of the history of things. There's just some fascinating stuff that's out there and some of the pictures and uh, things that I'll, perhaps in the course of time I'll be able to find out a little bit where those places are or were and, and go from there. <clears throat> history... Uh, can be helpful to us. We can we can learn lessons from people who have lived and made some mistakes, and we can learn from their mistakes. We can learn learn lessons from people who, who got it right. Uh, Jehoshaphat was one of those guys who pretty much got it right. You, you know, in the history of the people of God, you know, you had you had <clears throat> King David, and then uh, and then the uh, following. That you had uh, Solomon, his son, and after Solomon, the kingdom split in two: uh, Israel to the north, Judah to the south, and they each had kings. There were probably about forty kings, thirty-nine, something like that, that were uh, almost equally divided: about twenty in the north, and nineteen or twenty in the south, and and they had concurrent reigns and overlaps and all that kind of thing. But just two separate kind of groups. Uh, of leaders in terms of the kingdoms as they divided. Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah, um, lived uh, 872 to 848, reigned for 24 years. If you backed up to the 17th chapter of uh, 2 Chronicles, you would find this about him. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because in his early years he walked in the ways of his father David, and the way his father David had followed, he did not consult the Baals, but sought the God of his father and followed his commands rather than practices of Israel. The Lord established the kingdom under his control. All Judah brought gifts to Jehoshaphat so that he had great wealth. <clears throat> his heart was devoted to the ways of the Lord. Furthermore, he removed the high places and the Asherah poles from Judah. Now that may not mean a whole lot other than saying there were a lot of competing, competing interests for the attention to God and uh, their uh, and the history of the people of Israel. Sometimes they, they got distracted with other things, other gods, idolatry essentially. But Jehoshaphat kind of set all that side aside. He, he wanted to try to follow after, follow after God, and he did. He did. He didn't do it perfectly. There were other piece, pieces of things that he didn't quite get right. But nonetheless, if there was a word to describe uh, 
him, verse 3 put it this way, he followed after God. <clears throat> and that's a good thing. That's a good thing for you, for me, to follow after God with all <clears throat> I will worship with all of my heart. I will follow, follow all your ways. Okay, that's we sang that I think recently. Uh, so anyway, just you know, just make sure that you pay attention that there is theology and uh, hymnology of things here, and so following after God is an important piece, descriptive of Jehoshaphat, hopefully of us. So I want to talk to you first about the indispensable resource of prayer, uh, the first uh, portion of the 20th chapter. Now, uh, <clears throat> I listened one Sunday, I listened to when Nate Howard preached, the district superintendent preached here one Sunday, and he, he tried to get some involvement from the congregation. And it, it was initially like pulling hen's teeth. Like uh, he, he asked the question, well, tell me what you think of when you think of the word joy, for instance. It was, it was his message around Christmas time. What words come to mind? Uh, kind of, so, so let me ask you just a couple of questions. So you talk to me, okay? Say, okay, I choose to talk to Pastor Davis today. Okay, so okay. when you think of the word prayer, and this is, this is not assessing right or wrong, today, when you think of the word prayer, what Words come to your mind. One word come to your mind to describe prayer. What? Worship, I heard. One more time. Communication. Okay, fine. Good. Someone else. Huh? Close your eyes. That's more than one word. Go on. All right. That's all right. Sometimes, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, that's true. What else comes to mind when you think of the word prayer? Huh? Fellowship. Communion with God. Fellowship. Okay, good. Someone else. Meditate on the Lord. Okay. Um, is, there a, is there a more right way to pray? Uh, I'm not trying to bait you, okay, but just one other thing. Some people have different opinions, but when you think of prayer, some people think of this, some people think of this. Close your eyes, meditate. Uh, some people will talk about standing in prayer. Some people will talk about kneeling in prayer. Uh, my wife will tell you when she uh, first became a Christian, she went to the Toledo Gospel Tabernacle Alliance Church in Toledo, Ohio. And when she went to one of the, I don't know, it was a prayer meeting or whatever it was, uh, they got to prayer and all of a sudden everybody got down on their knees she thought, what kind of weird people are these? You know, she wasn't used to that kind of thing. You know, so, so, so. Kneeling can be uh, uh, a particular posture. I came across a story the other day. Uh, I thought it was kind of interesting. Uh, it's called The Prayer of Cyrus Brown. It goes like this. The proper way for a man to pray, said Deacon Lemuel Keys, and the only proper attitude is down upon his knees. No, I should say the way to pray, said Reverend Dr. Wise, is standing straight with outstretched arms and wrapped and upturned eyes. Oh, no, 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 said Elder Slow. Such posture is too proud. 
A man should pray with eyes fast closed and head contritely bowed. It seems to me his hand should be austerely clasped in front, with both thumbs pointing toward the ground, said Reverend Dr. Blunt. Last year, I fell in Hodgkin's well, head first, said Cyrus Brown, with both my heels a-sticking up, my head a-pointing down. And I made a prayer right then and there, best prayer I ever said, the prayingest prayer I ever prayed, a-standing on my head. So I don't know which way is the best way for you to pray. I, I'm relatively certain the scripture gives us a good deal of latitude in terms of the posture of things, but certainly some of the words that you've indicated are important ones. Look at some of the words that I pulled out from this resource of prayer from this passage. For instance, verse 3. I think that talks about the seriousness of prayer. It says there that Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. He proclaimed the fast. He resolved to inquire of the Lord. What is the first thing that you do? Last week we gave a quote from Corey Tenboom that said, Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? There you go. Is it your steering wheel or is it your spare tire? So what is the place? What is the priority? Of that Do we take that issue Seriously, so so one of the things that's important for us in terms of facing our challenge is to take prayer seriously. And it doesn't mean that you just have to be very austere and gloomy, but it, it means that you have to understand who it is that you're talking to, in whose presence you stand, before whom you come, in whom is your confidence. It's the seriousness of the prayer. He resolved to inquire of the Lord. You want something important to do? As a part of the life of City Light Church, get focused in the discipline and privilege of prayer. Take it seriously and step up to the plate to be part of the solution to the future of City Light Church. There's the seriousness of prayer. There's also the earnestness of prayer. Verse 4 says, the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. They're dealing with an opposition that's facing them and they take it seriously but they get intense. They're earnest in that. Um, how are we doing in the earnestness of prayer? You remember last week I gave you the image of one of the characters in Colossians 4. His name was Epaphras. And uh, it, it, said, it said there, he always wrestles for you. They had the NCAA uh, wrestling finals last night in case anybody didn't know. In case you didn't care, I don't care. But uh, I, I did care because I was, I was watching some of that. I, you know, some of it was able to catch. And uh, last week we talked about the intensity of that. Literally the word, here's, here's the word translated in terms of wrestling. Agonizomai. That's a Greek word. Okay, agonizomai. Now, if, if, I, if, you, if you listen well enough on that first part, agonids. Agon, what word does it come close to? Agon, agonize. Yeah. And so that's the word literally in terms of wrestling with God. And that's the earnestness of it, uh, of their prayer. They came together to seek help from the Lord. There's also uh, the inclusiveness of the prayer. They came from every town in Judah to seek him, from all over the place. Um, I've gotten a little bit familiar with some of the places that y'all are coming from. 
Some are in Wilkes-Barre, some are in Mountaintop. Some are in Plains. I found out now we've got one in 40 Fort. Uh, there, you may be from some. I don't know where Mike went. He's from up in New York, you know. So, uh, uh, but uh, there you are. So uh, you're all coming from all over the place, and, and a, a very inclusive kind of thing. And I think that's appropriate in terms of the prayer piece. The importance of prayer is that they came from wherever God had them to a place where they could seek Him. And so that's an important piece. There's the correctness of their prayer as well. And uh, correctness, not so much in terms of posture, whether your head's down, your feet are sticking up, or whatever it may be, but correctness in terms of two things. One is their resolve. Look at verse 9. In that prayer you say, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you, in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. We will stand in your presence. Regardless of whatever somebody else does, you have the opportunity to stand in the presence of God. And you're standing in the gap. And you're standing in his presence on behalf of people, on behalf of a ministry at City Led, on behalf of a family that's dealing with challenges, will be an important Resolve on your part. I, you, it needs, if I was Emeril Lagasse, I would say, let's kick it up a notch. Okay? You, you would say, let's come on, let's bring it up. And so that level of intensity and resolve needs to be there. And also, it's confidence. I love that verse 12, if we if you, if you catch that. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Boy, that has rhythm to it. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. That's a, you say that with me. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We say, okay, uh, Lord, how are you going to work this thing out in terms of this transitional season and the, and the life? And survival of City Light Alliance Church. How are you you going to work that? We don't know what to do. But our eyes are on you. There's no no better place for us to have our eyes than on him in these days. Now, now again, they're dealing with an army that's coming against them. All these ites from the first part of chapter 20. There are tribes of people that that God specifically told, don't go and annihilate them like I'm asking you to go and and annihilate other people. You just leave them alone. For whatever reason, God knows, for whatever reason, he said, "Don't, don't do that to them. And then those people upon whom the people of Israel showed mercy and kindness turn right around and now come in opposition to them. And somehow that doesn't seem fair, but that is what it is. And God knows the beginning from the end because in this particular story, it's no problem anyways. Because they didn't know what to do, but their eyes were on him. Yeah. And so there was that confidence. Our eyes are upon you. Where are your eyes these days? Um, Whether you're uh, tying into a prayer group, a connecting point along the way, there is the indispensable resource of prayer. That is a key piece. 
Now there's an additional resource, and that's the resource of prophecy. Now sometimes when we talk about that word prophecy, it can get a little bit, uh, a little bit spooky maybe. My, I don't know if that's the best word to describe it. Because sometimes you can have people prophesying this and that and the other thing, and, and they, they just feel that you, they make you, sometimes people make you feel like they have a corner on God, and he has told them what they should do and told them what you should do. You know, because I have this word from God. Sometimes it can get a little bit, uh, a little bit, a little bit strange. But prophecy here is a little different. Look at uh, verses 14 to 17 and that that kind of thing. This this prophetic word or this pro- prophecy comes under the anointing of um, a fellow by the name of Jehaziel. He is a Levite by background, uh, part of the, the liturgical tribe of the people of God, people of Israel. And uh, in this particular account, there are several things that are descriptive about that prophecy. First of all, it's a spirit-empowered prophecy. Look at verse 14. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel. So when God wants to communicate his truth, he comes upon the prophet. And, and you get the, thus saith the Lord kind of thing that comes along. Uh, so Jehaziel has that word, and it, it is a, a spirit-empowered word. Uh, whenever God chooses to speak through someone who is attuned to him, uh, attentive to his voice, listening for his word, and has that, thus saith the Lord, uh, you, need, you, need to, you need to give good attention to that. You need to ferret out whether it's truth or error in process, but certainly God came upon Jehaziel and gave him a word to speak to the people. Prophecy is not so much looking ahead 200 yards or looking 200 miles or 200 years down the pike. It's, it's, the, it's the thus saith the Lord. The prophet is the one who comes and speaks truth to kings and to uh, other uh, the people of Israel that, to, to convey his truth to them. It's a spirit empowered. And the Spirit of God still, I believe, speaks to us today, primarily through his word. But without question, there are times when God can raise up people who become voices for God in our day and in our world. Uh, you, you, need to, you need to measure that in terms of to test it, whether it's valid or not. That's a whole other issue, and I don't have time to go into that one. Another time, maybe. We'll see. But it's a spirit-empowered word. It's a faith-enabling word. There's another description. And I love the language. Again, this 20th chapter is full of these one-liners. They're really great. And uh, you probably ought to write some of these things down. Well, in your, if you don't underline it, it's okay to underline in your Bible. I think I don't, I don't think I've seen many people struck dead because they did that. But, uh, but to, to convey, here's, here's another phrase. The battle is not yours, but God's. The battle is not yours, but God's. Now, that doesn't mean that I have to, I, I just sit back and don't do anything. But because there is God's part and man's part. That's always the, the paradigm and the model of the paradox of walking in this Christian life. God's work and our part. God's part, our part. There's always that. But here, it enables faith along the way. The battle is not yours. He comes and he, he makes these observations. Don't be afraid, verse uh, 
15, don't be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. The battle is not yours, but God's. And in the next several verses, he gives five commands. And, and, and we could probably park a long while on, on these as well. But real, real quick, real quick, you can, you can dig them out. But let me just tell you that where they are there in verse 17 and, and listen to them. So here's his commands. This is his prophetic word. This is what you need to do. And he says, take up your positions. Stand firm and see deliverance. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Go out and face them. Now, it's interesting. In the first account, uh, in the early portion of chapter 20, um, Jehoshaphat ex expresses some alarm uh, as he begins uh, verse 3. NIV translates, alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire. Now, there was a fear that was going on. There was an uncertainty, a, a concern at least, that he had for the stuff that was coming against him. And perhaps he was fearful. And yet you have this word of the prophet coming to, to Jehoshaphat saying, listen, don't be afraid. Jehoshaphat was initially alarmed, but he purposed to resolve from God. And he says, and Jehaziel says, I, I want you, don't be afraid. So you can chew on those five commands. Uh, take a, if you're looking for something to chew on this week, in terms of what those things call me to do, uh, any one of them would be appropriate. Take your position. What is the part that God has for you to play? In this place, in this ministry, find that place. Take your position. Everybody's got a part. Everybody's got a part. This is not just for some guy that they bring in from somewhere, you know, to just kind of whip up the troops. No, this is... This is, this is an enabling of the body of Christ to use the gifts that God has given to them, regardless of their age, as long as they're under the control of the Spirit of God and working together to build up the body of Christ. Take your position. Find the place of service and ministry. Stand firm. See deliverance. This kind of echoes back to almost a Red Sea kind of story. As a matter of fact, that might be, that's, that's almost the same language that Moses uses. Stand Picture uh, Charlton Heston. Okay. Stand still and see the salvation of God. And arms go up and, whoosh, you know, you know, waters part. Now, now that's don't don't worry about Charlton Heston. That's a whole other issue. But the the point the point is that stand still and see the salvation. And God had done it in the past. He'll do it in the present. And and that's true. Uh, yeah, I uh, I I, I uh, look back in the the history of the of the of the pastors of the church. Some guys I recognize, you know, guys that I'm familiar with in terms of their ministry. Some are, are been long, long ago, you know. And, but it doesn't make a difference how, how far back you want to trace the, the pastoral ministries or the history of the church or whatever. If God has done something in the past, he's made a way for something to go. To go. We need to stand still and see his salvation. He'll work it out. He will continue to do. New Testament puts it this way. God is at work among you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He is not done with City Light Church yet. That's a good spot. Uh, I believe that he has a hope and a future for us, and I believe he will use us together in terms of taking your position, finding a place of service and ministry, and moving from there. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Go out and face them. Sometimes that's the hard spot. But I will tell you, don't try to go out and face them until you've done some things in terms of prayer 
it gives you the holy boldness to be able to do that. Okay? Okay? You thank you. I just pray it saying amen is like saying sick him to a dog. And so once in a while I don't it'll get, get me going. So let's let's that's that's okay. That's okay. All right. So the indispensable resource of prophecy. One final piece. And uh, again, I could camp a lot more on some of these things, but just for a purpose today. Finally, there's the indispensable resource of praise. Of praise. Verses 18 to 22. We only read verse 18, but it talks about him bowing and putting his face in there, his face to the ground. All the people fall down and worship before the Lord. Then you have to. I'll, I'll read a little bit more. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and Korahites. All these ites. These are goodites, I guess I would have to say. These aren't the opposing enemy. They stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Now, sometimes when we praise God, whether it's in song or in word, we, you know, we just say, "Well, praise the Lord," and it's okay. But sometimes you need to believe what you're saying. Praise God, you know, and uh, uh, Amen, kind of thing. And, and I don't want to get into a just kind of show kind of thing, but boy, there's something about. Right on, you know, it's just like, yeah, that's right. So what, what is the impact of that? It, verses 18 and 19 says, it energized, they worship. They stood up, they praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. It was kind of like, Wah. now, you do, you do well in your worship. And I believe that God wants to energize your worship even more. Okay, okay, okay. So when, I, I know sometimes the song will determine how you respond, you know. Uh, and so if it's a more melodic, smooth, worshipful kind of song, you, 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 you may not, you, you may, it may not fit to say, Oh, I'm running to your arms, I'm running to your, it, it, if it feels like more, oh, I'm running to your arms. You know, that kind of thing. You know, contextualize it. But don't be afraid to praise. Because praise leads the way. Back in the dark ages when I was in seminary, 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 um, I, I, went to, I went to Bethel Seminary, Minnesota. It was, it was a Swedish Baptist seminary. Good, good group of people. Wonderful, good stuff. Uh, but in that era... There was a fellow who came out with a couple books. The, the guy's name was Merlin Carruthers. He was a, uh, a chaplain, a military chaplain, who uh, wrote uh, a book called Prison to Praise and Answers to Praise, I believe, uh, or the second one. In the but Prison to Praise was a very popular book at that point in time because it was recounting the story of how God chose to make some significant changes and moves of God in military kind of context. But the role and purpose of praise in that kind of thing was a key piece. And so that, I've always kind of kept that in mind, that praise, praise leads the way. The Psalms talk about, well, okay. Uh, you have to understand, I, get, I, I at times tend to go about five directions at once. Okay, so it takes me a minute to just kind of pull things together. When, when we were in, in Minnesota, uh, the Jesus movement was a very 
present uh, kind of driver in things. And uh, we had friends who came back from Vietnam who worked with uh, soldiers in the military and had some really neat things. And they would put choruses, uh, word choruses, scripture to chorus, and they would sing them with the GIs. So one of those choruses was something like, uh, uh, who so, this is Psalm 65, I think, who so offereth praise, O God, glorifieth thee. Who so offereth praise, O God, glorifies thee in Zion. Praise waiteth for thee, O Lord. Praise waiteth for thee. Praise waiteth for thee, O Lord. Waiteth for thee in Zion. And all that is saying is that praise will lead the way. Now let me tell you, uh, prayer is key. That's a resource. But the, the place and resource of praise is un, undeniable. These Korahites were essentially gatekeepers. They were the people who had the responsibility to guard the entrance of the tent, the tent of meeting. And uh, I believe uh, while that's a select group of people, I believe by application, we can become people who guard the place of God and is dwelling among us, whatever in the facility it may be, where we can lead the way with our praise. So at the end of this service, in a little bit, a couple minutes, we're going to sing a reprise of that song, Hosanna. You are the God who saves us, worthy of all our praises. And, and you will have the opportunity to offer that as your praise to God. It refocused or it focused their faith in the God, in God and his leaders. Verse 20 says, have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. And it, it resulted in the focus upon a God. This is not about us. This is about him and the confidence in him. And one final piece, it ensured the victory. Verses 21 and 22, uh, it says, After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord, to praise him for the splendor of his holiness, as they went out at the head of the army. It almost sounds like Jericho again. You know, but let's put the priests out front. Let them go. You know, probably those days they probably thought, no, 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 I want to be a priest today, going around Jericho and uh, anticipating some of the problems that could be there. But, but it ensured the victory. They led the way. And they went out at the head of the army saying, see, that in my Bible, it's kind of set apart a little bit. It's kind of like a quote, okay? So my suspicion is, is this, is, this is, I can envision Michael W. Smith. Say, Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. And this band going into town. Uh, now, whether it turned out that way or it was, Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. Or however, however it turned out, the point is that praise led the way and it ensured the victory. And so they go out. Verse 22 says, As they began to sing and praise, the Lord sent ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading, in, in, in invading Judah and they were defeated. Uh, and it gives a little more detail of what happened there at that point. But praise led the way. So here's the resources. What are your challenges? 
Put it in the context of where you're at, where you're working, where you're living, family relationships, church-related pictures, the resource of prayer that God gives to you. Take it seriously. Get earnest before God, regardless of posture. Take it to that is a gift. The resource of prophecy, the thus saith the Lord, the word of God that speaks to us, and then the place and resource of praise. Without question, there are all kinds of challenges before us in the days ahead. It will be filled with certain uncertainties, unexpected surprises, unanticipated twists and turns, unwelcome news sometimes. But the issue is what resources are you going to use? What are you going to take advantage of? That God has already given to us. Here are three. Find the ones. All of them are appropriate. But maybe there's one that just you need to kind of drill down a bit more and allow him so that you can find yourself moving forward and we can find ourselves moving forward in God's good order of things to see those better days that God has for us as we face our challenges. I want to pray with you and then while we're praying, the worship team will come and uh, then lead us in that closing song. And then you hold tight because there's one more piece that I want to give, and that's what I call a benediction. And that's an important piece for me as a pastor to be able to pray God's blessing over you as, as the sheep of his pasture. So let's pause for prayer, and uh, Rebecca and Amber will come. So, Father, this is your word to us. And we want to receive it. And we want to do more than just give mental assent to it. We want to know it and obey it. So if there are areas in our journey where we become anemic in prayer, speak to our hearts and put a holy resolve inside us. If there are areas where you're speaking to us through the word, through the prophetic word, through, through the thus saith the Lord, help us to pay attention to that and obey, obey your commands. And then help us to be a people who praise you for all that you have done and for all you're going to do. And to this end, we present ourselves as worshipers all in the name of Christ. Amen.